welcome to Let's Talk New Mexico. I'm your host, Taylor Velazquez. Child literacy is a problem in New Mexico. The state state ranks last in, in, the, in the nation with almost 80% of children not proficient in reading by the fourth grade. This also impacts their ability to apply reading skills to other subjects taught in schools. Furthermore, kids are reading at grade level by fourth grade are more likely to drop out and less likely to attend college. And children from low-income families, those with disabilities, and children of color are even more at risk. At the beginning of this year's legislative session, Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham announced a plan to help boost these alarming numbers, urging lawmakers to invest more into structured literacy program, otherwise called the science of reading. The governor's proposed budget calls for $30 million in capital to build a statewide literacy institute and uh, and another $30 million to support free literacy summer programs for 10,000 students in order to catch them up to their respective grade levels. Under a structured literacy program, students learn to decode skills through explicit and systematic instruction by studying the sound of words and symbols, among other tools that have been proven to be effective for all readers. It, it's also an evidence-based approach that not only been that has not only been proved to help students with dyslexia, but also proven to be effective for all readers. This morning, we'll be hearing from state agencies, educators, and researchers on how structured literacy could impact the struggling education system. Are you an educator or a parent? Do you think structured literacy will help boost kids' proficiency? You can let us know by emailing us at letstalk at kunm.org or call in live at 505-277-5866. And I want to welcome my first guest this morning, Deputy Secretary Amanda DeBell from the New Mexico Public Education Department. Good morning, Deputy Secretary. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having And my first question for you is to really get a good idea of what we're talking about this morning. What is structured literacy? It's an umbrella term I've learned, but, you know, we had a legislative show a couple weeks ago where people were bringing up the science of reading quite a bit. So can you just make sure we have a good foundation? Sure thing. I think to put it simply, structured literacy is literacy. And so to think about that um, is to think about reading comprehension and allowing, in this case, students to have the ability to identify um, words, putting them together in order to make sense of the language and give it meaning, which we all know is comprehension. So structured literacy is an approach where teachers use systematic and very planned ways to help students construct meaning through specific literacy instruction. Um, That really starts with letter sounds, um, just to think about that, and then really grows into um, being able to understand what someone reads. Um, And it is um, particularly important for any student that may be struggling that intentional and sequential uh, teaching is really important for any student who might be struggling uh, to learn to read, and most significantly for students who might display, display signs of dyslexia. And just to make sure people get a good understanding, there's structured literacy, and then there's the science of reading. Is that the same thing, or mm-hmm. what does that look like? So the science of reading actually is where we um, have come to know and understand how the brain functions and uses language. Structured literacy is the actual approach to help us develop and use what we know about um, how students learn how to read. And, you know, we're talking about phonics, actually, where kids are learning to read by sounding out words. But is this similar to what this program will look like? Very much so. That's a great question. Thanks, Taylor. So 
that a structured literacy approach does use and does start with letter sounds, phonics, we actually call it phonemic awareness, and then moves into word recognition, being able to string those words together, and then being able to make sense. So absolutely, phonics instruction is an integral component um, and piece of structured literacy that is based in the science of reading. And I want to dig into a little bit of why we're here talking about structured literacy. Mm -hmm. Um, New Mexico has some of the worst literacy and reading proficient scores in the country. I mentioned that 80% of our students are not at grade level by fourth grade. What factors contribute to these numbers? So, you know, many factors, I think, um, play into that. But something very significant is just thinking about our state. New Mexico is one of the lowest adult literacy rates, hovering at about 29%. So that means that nearly a third of our new fellow New Mexicans cannot or do not read or read well. Um, and we also have one of the highest poverty rates in the country. So this literacy versus poverty correlation is not a coincidence. And so we know that if we were able to raise our state in general ability to read, then we will impact the ability to learn where students can and be reflected in that same picture. And then we know that their future will look brighter, thinking about better economic situations for them in the coming years. Our goal is to definitely ensure that every student is reading at grade level or beyond for each and every year that they are in school. And I know that as a teacher and as a principal, it was heart-wrenching when I would see students that would struggle to read and, and knowing that we were not making a truly effective impact on their ability to be good readers. Um, and I know that with intentionality, the extra support training and teacher development that we are planning, that we can get to this place. And I actually want to bring a caller into the conversation this morning, Nisa from Albuquerque. Good morning. Good morning. And what was your comment for us? I'm a huge supporter of structured literacy. We have it in our school and just see the effects. It's wonderful. I'd just like to advocate for side-by-side -side behavioral health services. It's along the um, lines that you were just talking about. Because we really see that our students' readiness to learn and to read is affected by social, emotional, and behavioral health issues. So what plans do you have for um, beefing up those sort of services in our schools are really in need? And um, Amanda, I'll throw that to you. Sure. Um, thank you for that question. I, you know, right now we um, are looking very seriously at how we bolster mental health services in schools. Um, and we are also encouraging local school districts to really reconsider how they are using their um, current budgets in order to be able to support students with that, like you called it, the side-by-side -side behavioral health. We know that those two things go hand in hand. And we also know that post-pandemic, that students are still continuing to struggle uh, socially and emotionally. And we have definitely begun to learn. I can, I can say that we are not there yet, but we have begun to learn the impacts of that and respond to it appropriately. And I actually want to welcome in Robert Foyer back to the show. He's a special education teacher at Highland High School. Good morning, Robert. It's great to see Good you morning. again. And, you know, we're talking about structured literacy, and I want to get your thoughts on fourth graders not being proficient in reading. What are you seeing at the high school level? What are students are still are students still struggling with reading? What are you seeing? Absolutely. And I think it's been mentioned that we've seen a, a 
uh, coming falling backwards uh, after COVID. Um, uh, and we've not only that, but uh, and it's been talked about the the low economics in the in the state and uh, do we approach uh, literacy by trying to have a better lit- literacy rate and then better economics afterwards or do we cre- create better economics first? And I think it comes from uh, students having <coughs> uh, secure homes. We see a lot of students uh, dealing with trauma right now. Um, and so it's hard to learn when you're not stable. So from what I'm seeing, boots on the ground in, in the classroom is that students need to have this foundation of stability before they can learn. And any initiatives that might be great initiatives uh, have mixed results when students are not doing well. And Deputy Secretary DeBell, I want to throw that to you as well. Robert just mentioned all the things that kids are dealing with now. And this isn't a new problem with New Mexico. We've been consistently ranked last in reading proficiency and education for many years. But what kinds of solutions has PED tried in the past but just didn't plan or go to plan? Um, Sure. When it comes to mental health, um, you know, this year we are um, doing for the first time a student health and wellness survey so that we can really gauge some of that work, because I think that there have been um, efforts in the past that might not have been fully supported statewide. It might have been um, supported at the PED or the New Mexico Public Education Department and through the legislature, but individual communities might not have felt the, maybe the impacts or maybe did not have the same agreement with um, whatever initiatives might have been. I can tell you right now for the last couple of years, the PED has truly been uh, working to partner with um, both charter schools and um, districts to really rethink how we're supporting students with the attendance. And um, to Mr. Taylor's point, I think um, thinking about um how we adjust as the adults to the students who are in front of us now has been one of the biggest shifts that we have all had to to make. And I think this morning many people are probably wondering why structured literacy? Is it a matter of we've tried other approaches and didn't get the results that we wanted, so let's try something else? So why this type of programming now? So this type of programming has actually been around even in our state since 2003. However, and this happens often, Um, people were being trained and people were learning from their colleges and other institutions as they were becoming teachers, something that we know now um, to be whole language. And so this new initiative, I will call it, is just bringing to light something that the um, public education department started Um, in 2019 when we passed the dyslexic and early um, student interventions um, legislation to support school districts at identifying schools and or excuse me um, identifying students who might have some sort of reading impediment then in the 21-22 school year um, we really began to push on the science of reading and the structured literacy um, training by beginning to train in-service teachers, so kindergarten and first grade teachers, um, 
with a program that is called Letters. And that Letters training speaks to how we build on that literacy structure um, that is very systematic for helping students to learn how to read. Um, and then, right now, some of the work that we are doing is um, we are continuing to expand that letters training. We are now in um, training the fourth grade teachers next year, fifth grade, all fifth grade teachers and middle school teachers will be trained. And we are now are working with all of our colleges and universities to revamp their curriculums to include the science of reading and to inform all of their instruction and coursework. So we are really doing this system-wide to ensure that every single student has access to a high-quality teacher. Um, we are working on improving the teacher pipeline to make sure that we have high-quality teachers, um, including teacher residency and really being thoughtful and intentional about how we make the shift away from some of the whole language curriculums and resource materials that were serving students and into what we know now is very strongly evidence-based structured reading instruction. And I'm actually gonna pause the conversation right there. We're gonna head to a quick break. This is Let's Talk New Mexico on 89.9 KUNM. I'm Taylor Velasquez. We're talking about structured literacy and what it would look like to implement in New, in New Mexico schools. We'll be back in a moment. Support comes from Il Vicino Wood Oven Pizzas, offering wood-fired pizza, calzones, panini, pastas, and salads, along with locally brewed craft beers, wines, and Italian sodas. Dine-in, carry-out, and delivery available. Online ordering at ilvicino.com. KUNM appreciates all the listeners who have donated vehicles to support essential programs like this one. Thanks to all the generous vehicle donors who took the initiative to keep KUNM going strong. KUNM. Powered by you. This week in This American Life, there are certain questions people use on dates that are litmus tests, proxies for other questions that people really want to know the answers to. A big one? It's what do you think of Beyonce? Yes, I am the of the Beyonce question. Have you experienced this? Yes, I've experienced it many times. Questions that contain other realer questions this week. Sundays at 4 on KUNM. Welcome back to Let's Talk New Mexico. I'm Taylor Velazquez. Next week, we'll be discussing guns and the firearm measures in front of the legislature. You'll, be fi you'll find that link to our webpage soon. Today, we're talking about the push to invest in structured literacy. Are you a parent? Is this program something that could help your child? Give us a call at 505-277-5866 and let us know, or you can shoot us an email at letstalk at kunm.org. And I actually want to start off with a listener email from Robert. The APS district is buying new literacy materials with instructional material funds only and not taking advantage of 2023's HR 481. Why not? And Deputy Secretary DeBell, I'll throw this question to you. And also, if lawmakers go ahead and appropriate the funds now during this legislative session, how will that money be spent? Oh, so um, again, that's a great question. Thanks for sending that in. Um, well, so what I can say about how the Albuquerque Public Schools is working right now and using the funds that are um, allocated to them is really because um, the PED through our high 
um, quality instructional materials division um, created a list of um, significantly vetted materials that align with the science of reading and structured literacy. Um, the Albuquerque Public Schools um, found a vendor that is very similar but is not one of our recommended um, curriculums and therefore um, was not able to access 100% of those dollars. And Robert, um, I want to go to you. What are your thoughts on this new way of teaching? I'm sure you'll see a lot of this on the ground since you're teaching kids and you're seeing kids move throughout their grades, but will this move us in the right direction? Well, I just want to comment on one thing. Um, you know, I understand we want to tra train teachers to be better, and it's always a constant uh, uh, changing um, environment for teachers, but I do believe we have very high quality teachers right now that are, at the school I'm at, we're, we're supporting kids emotionally, we uh, academically, uh, we, we have clothing banks, we have food banks, we're doing what we can for them. And, uh, and I think that that's the basis where we can start to build that trust and to, to uh, help with their education. A lot of these things, I, I believe, if I might be wrong, but uh, uh, a lot of these interventions have been in place already. They're, um, it's not brand new, is it? And, you know, we have another comment from that listener, Robert, and I'm sure you both have a lot of comments on this, but he says the selection process currently used by APS for literacy materials seems to be based on mostly what teachers like. Unfortunately, that doesn't make for rapid change, What is called that, which, which is called for right now. And, Robert, I'll go back to you. Is that something that's being reflected or is that something that is put off by the general public? Uh, well, uh, actually, I, I went around to the teachers in the school, and nobody even knew what it was. Uh, so it hasn't been really rolled out yet, ha has it? And um, Deputy Secretary DeBell, I'll go to you. Um, and I, when you asked that question, um, the, the APS English Language Arts curriculum, I believe that they are rolling it out this year. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I know that for um, secondary teachers... Right now, um, across the state, we have 150 teachers that are participating um, through a partner agency, um, and they are actually beginning to look at what structured literacy um, looks like for secondary students. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that listener also mentioned that he believes APS board is not watching the ball on this issue and will rubber stamp the district's internal literacy materials. Will there be an oversight on school districts to make sure they're implementing a structured literacy instruction? So, Secretary DeBell, I'll go to you first. Sure thing. Yeah, I think that's a great question. Also, just to think about the accountability and the partnership that the public education department can offer to the Albuquerque Public Schools, I think is really where that conversation needs to go. Um, the um, High Quality Instructional Materials Bureau works with several other states um, in a consortium and is also really thinking deeply and um, vetting materials across the state, so not just in Albuquerque, um, so that we can make sure that the choices um, that are being offered to every single district who has the opportunity to purchase new um, resources in order to deliver the curriculum, which is the state standards, um, can 
meet the needs of individual communities because we have several very rural communities. We have several what we call micro districts. And then we have the big microcosm, Albuquerque Public Schools. And Robert, I want to follow up with you. We're talking about implementing this program and you're a special education teacher and I'm sure you're facing more challenges than other teachers would, but what would implementing this kind of program look like in your classroom? Well, let me just say that I've been working for APS since, uh, uh, for 20 years now. And uh, I've seen initiatives come and go in that 20 years. And one of the things that I, could, I see is that uh, we, if you, we're going to do this, we need to stick with it. Uh, because if it comes and it goes, then it, it doesn't go anywhere. It's gonna t- it will take a while to roll out. It will take a while to get all the teachers to implement it in their classrooms. And it, and it will take years to see if it's actually uh, growing. Um, so it's, it's really consistency. And Secretary, uh, De- Deputy Secretary DeBell, I'm gonna follow up with that. Um, like Robert said, if we keep going on with this program and we commit to it, are we gonna start seeing that roll out in elementary schools and continue that through high school, or are we just going to try and implement the structured literacy program at all grade levels as it rolls out? So um, this just a fun fact. So as a special educator, um, many special education teachers have actually been implementing structured literacy within some of the curriculums that they have been using for several years. So for many teachers who work with special education students who might have and display um, reading and comprehension um, disabilities or abilities that are different. Um, They have been, and you all have been, working with um, instructional materials that support this for a long time. It is the general education population that is um, in some places, and this is not all teachers, that are needing to make the shift away from whole language into structured literacy. Um, And sometimes we refer to or um, compare ourselves to um, the state of Mississippi, and there's a statement that's out there called the Mississippi Miracle. And that Mississippi Miracle took more than a decade in order to achieve. Um, And with the support of our legislators and our governor, who is truly committed to this, um, we are actually poised um, to accelerate that work um, to be much quicker than a decade because we are taking those several Um, different approaches by hitting it from the educator preparation programs, legislation and dollars, the high quality instructional materials. Um, And so we all are already beginning to see some of the results of the work right now. All teachers, kindergarten through fourth grade across the state have been trained and retrained in some cases in structured literacy. We now have eight model schools that all are providing coaching. Every single teacher in the building has already been trained in what we call letters training. And those schools serve as models across the state. Just to highlight a couple of them, Mountain Mahogany Community School, the International School at Mesa del Sol, Whittier Elementary here in the Albuquerque Public Schools who moved from an out of the MRI status Um, We have the Arts Academy at Bella Vista, Vado Elementary, Loma Linda Elementary School, um, Los Niños Elementary School, and Truth or Consequences Elementary School. And I'm going to introduce my next guest this hour, David Herford, Executive Director for the Center of Reading at Pittsburgh State University. Good morning, David. Morning. Thanks for having me on the show. And we're talking about results. How long will we 
before we see results, what that looks like for kids and students. But you said it's going to take months, not years. Can you explain a little bit more about that? Yeah, if, if you look at the history of teaching reading, uh, we kind of got off track about 100 years ago. Uh, Horace Mann, who is a progressive educator and really moved public education along, he was an amazing person, did great things, but he was totally wrong about reading because uh, he suggested that, you know, the best way to teach people to read is to look at the words, the whole words, because uh, as he kind of put it, you know, the letters were scary, they're bloodless, they're skeletal, they were apparitions, ghostly apparitions. And in reality, if you look at uh, the English writing system, it is a code. And you absolutely, beyond a doubt, no, no uh, argument really whatsoever, is you have to learn how to decode the letters into sounds, to blend those sounds together, to read words. And so... You know, when you look just at the words and try to guess at it, because in the 1960s and 70s, a guy named Ken Goodman came along and said, hey, reading is about psycholinguistic guessing. Uh, look, at, look at the words and essentially use some cues that he called uh, and, and guess at the word. And in reality, since the English writing system was built to represent sounds with letters, you have to learn how to decode those letters. And, and one, of, one of the ways to look at this as an example is, you know, imagine, you know, you're trying to learn how to play piano and your piano teacher puts a sheet, you know, piece of sheet music on the piano and says, hey, just guess at the notes. You know what? What's going to happen? You know, people aren't going to learn how to play the piano or to read sheet music. And you can't do that with reading. You absolutely cannot do that with reading. You have to teach it as a code first. So beginning readers, kindergartners, first graders, second graders, you have to really hammer that code, help them understand that. And once they get a handle of the mechanics of reading, how it works, then the next thing you know, they're off and running and you can do other things. Um, but I also wanted to say when we talk about the science of reading, and I, I think that Deputy Secretary DuBell said it very nicely, and that is, in reality, the science of reading is everything that we know about reading that has been vetted through science. You know, for example, we don't say the science of biology or the science of physics uh, because we know they're sciences. But the problem is in education for the last hundred years, we have not applied science to reading. And we come up with these notions that don't help students learn how to read. And that's why right now in the United States, we're facing a reading crisis. You know, in New Mexico, 39% of your students are not reading at the basic level. The basic level on the National Assessment of Educational Progress in Reading is essentially you're getting to the point where you're, you can use what you know to learn how to read. But if you're reading below the basic level, you are essentially not reading. And, you know, this is what's happening across the United States. So 39%, you know, not too great. I mean, that's essentially saying over a third of your students are not reading, which leads to that terrible adult illiteracy rate. And, you know, to, to really help get things rolling economically and psychologically and emotionally, 
we have to help children learn how to read. And, you know, when I say it'll take months, yeah, it's going to take a little bit of time to train teachers to do this structured literacy approach, um, which, again, I agree with Deputy Secretary Dubell when she said, um, you know, structured literacy is literacy. I really like that because when you teach kids how to uh, decode and and read, uh, you know, then then they can use that and they feel good about themselves. And, you know, here at our center, you know, we work with uh, children across the United States and, you know, we see children in kindergarten, first grade who come here and they have anxiety about school because they've noticed that some kids are learning how to read, but they're not. And that leads to anxiety where kids say things like, you know, mommy, I just don't feel good today. I don't want to go to school. Dad, do I really have to go to school? Like, well, we'll check your, you know, check your temperature. And you're like, well, you seem okay. That's anxiety. Hmm. And I that, actually want that, to pause you right there, David. Um, we actually have an email from or an email from a listener, Raina. Um, she says we have years of standardized test scores, and that confirms the effectiveness of structured literacy teaching based on the science of reading. We have seen all children make remarkable growth in reading when structured literacy is used. When children learn how to read well, their confidence soars and their social emotional struggles often recede. So. I also want to get a caller in to get more of the conversation rolling. So, Jordan from Albuquerque, welcome to the show. Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you. Good morning. Thanks for calling in. Hello? Yeah, can you hear me? Hello. Okay, good. So, Jordan, what was your question for us this morning? Can you hear me? Hello? Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Well, um, I, I was told to put off my speaker or whatever, but um, yeah, I'm... Uh, Jordan Michael Smith. I'm 47 years old, and uh, I taught in APS for 16 years. And um, I taught um, uh, master's in special education, um, highly qualified in uh, language arts, literature, and social studies, uh, TESOL certified. Um, and I taught it only at one school, Van Buren Middle School, which is used to be affectionately known as the War Zone, now the International District, but, you know, potato, potato, whatever. But I agree with both you know, it's not two sides of an issue. It's the same issue. But I agree with the fact that, I mean, my mom, rest in peace, she was a speech-language pathologist, but that um, things like uh, just phonetics and, like, just, you know, sounding things out, like the basics, and then you could lead to whatever school flavor of the month kind of reading, um, oh, I don't know, sort of reading the thing of the month. It's not really the thing of the month. After 16 years, I went through probably eight different administrations and, you know, and it's the war zone, It's it, but it's not the war zone. And I can't tell you, I ran into another a student of mine that's probably 34 now, my oldest are 35. It's like, hey, Mr. Smith. And, you know, I have to kind of fake it and like, hey, Bobby or Bobby Lou. No, you know, but um, can you still hear me or no? Yes, I can hear you. And I want to um, ask a question to our guest in studio here. Robert, you're on the ground, you're probably a little familiar with what our caller Jordan had just said. So what do you think about the social emotional learning of implementing structured literacy, but making sure we're meeting all the marks and not just implementing one thing and hoping it sticks? Right. Um, uh, well, I just had one comment, uh, and that was when we were talking about uh, uh, I, I, it just came up into my head that uh, some of this is uh, a cultural issue, that we are shifting away from reading books. 
uh, or newspapers and everything is text messages. I have such a hard time getting kids to use capital letters. They don't use capital letters anymore. They don't know when to use them. They don't know when to use punctuation. So, um, and, and uh, getting back to the other side of it, yes, it, we have to work on uh, the trust and, and uh, a lot of, uh, so we're, uh, teachers are being asked to do a lot of different uh, uh, functions right now. We're asked to, to uh, deal with their emotional states and try to, and, and not to react to, to them anymore. Uh, uh, writing referrals, that's, you know, instead it's, uh, we're trying to shift to a more of a, uh, you know, um, restorative justice uh, models where we're we're not punishing students, and so it's it's a lot for teachers to take on. Uh, it can be uh, really rewarding where we're um, we're we're having different relationships with our students, um, and so once that trust is built, then yes, we can start working on uh, on getting them to uh, to work on new skills. Um, but special ed is a whole other story. I, I would like to see a, a much broader inclusion model, um, and uh, and we will see behaviors disappear. Uh, so that's a, another issue for another show. <laughs> and I want to introduce um, Barbara, actually, who is a caller this morning. Barbara, good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me? I can hear you perfectly. And what was your uh, comment for us this morning? So... I, just to start with, I'm a recently stepped down APS board member, and I was a reading teacher, reading intervention, classroom teacher, instructional coach for 35 years for APS. And I really want to emphasize that there is no silver bullet. And I'm, I'm really tired of hearing about the Mississippi miracle because if you look at the eighth grade scores, by eighth grade, there's virtually no difference in our students and Mississippi students. And why is that? Because Mississippi has focused solely on structured literacy and not dealt with all of the other issues. Our students, so many of our students are second language learners. And language and experience has got to be a foundation. And my concern about structured literacy is twofold. Um, one is that it simplifies the complexity of learning. Because, yes, of course, kids need phonics. They need to know how to crack the code. But they also have to, first off, be in a, an environment that's supportive and welcoming and starts based on what they bring to school and what they know and what their experiences are. And then secondly, to expand that with language and experience. Um, if you look at science scores in upper grades between New Mexico and Mississippi, we do better. We do better. We can't think that we'll address the issues that children have simply by a magical publisher-produced um, program. Um, we need, and my second point has got to be... I, Actually, Barbara, I'm going to pause you right there because you made a great point, and I want to get um, David's opinion on it. New Mexico does have a really unique student population where we do have a lot of bilingual students, but, and we just have a couple more minutes until break, David, but what are your thoughts on how structured literacy can also help bilingual students in both their languages. 
You know, it's it's challenging in New Mexico because you have so many different languages. You have some tribes that don't even have a written form of their language. Uh, and so those things are definitely challenges. But if, if we're going to look at how to teach reading, you know, th there's no doubt at this point in time with regard to looking at the science. There's been thousands of studies that have been published that tell us that if we do the types of things that are involved with structured literacy, sure, it's not a magic bullet if a child has, you know, language issues before they get to the classroom. But when we're spe specifically talking about reading, structured literacy is the approach to use. And, you know, it, it is inclusive of many aspects, but the very beginning uh, when we uh, expose children to the reading process, we have to teach them that the English writing system is a code and how to use it, not only in terms of, you know, decoding to read, but encoding to spell and to write. And, you know, structured literacy also is involved, you know, uh, Robert said, you know, his students don't use punctuation or capitalization. Structured literacy addresses those types of things. So, you know, when we're looking at structured literacy, it is what science is telling us about how we should be teaching children how to read. Granted, there are other issues, you know, when students come to school hungry or they haven't been exposed to print, all those types of things are definitely challenges. But that doesn't mean we should throw away uh, the appropriate way to teach reading, uh, we should teach them the appropriate way to teach reading and address those other things as well, because those are the things that are addressed in the science piece of reading. And, and in my opinion, right now, New Mexico is doing a fantastic job of systematically trying to deal with these things to get pre-service teachers who are starving for this information to help their uh, students in the future learn how to read, teachers who are in the field, in-service teachers, are starving for this information to help their kids learn how to read. And David, and I'm going to have to pause you right there. Unfortunately, we have to go to a quick break. This is Let's Talk New Mexico on 89.9. We're talking about the push to implement a structured literacy program in New Mexico this legislative session. I'm Taylor Velasquez. We'll be back in a minute. Each week, New Dimensions explores the social, political, scientific, environmental, and spiritual frontiers with some of today's foremost social innovators, thinkers, scientists, and creative artists. Hi, I'm Issa Guchardi, author of Coming to Peace, and next time on New Dimensions, I'll be talking about my new book, Coming to Peace, Resolving Conflict Within Ourselves and with Others. Saturday mornings at 6 on KUNM. You have until December 31st to donate your car or truck and get a tax receipt for 2023. We'll arrange to pick it up, and even if it doesn't sell until January, you'll get a tax write-off for this year because you claim the deduction in the year it was donated. Hurry! To get a tax deduction for this year, you need to call before December 31st to see if your car qualifies. The number to call is 888-KUNM-CAR. That's 888-586-6227. Welcome back to Let's Talk New Mexico on KUNM. We're discussing childhood literacy and implementing a structured literacy program to help kids get back on track and at grade level. There's still time to call in this morning at 505-277-5866. And I would like to introduce my next guest this hour, Emily Wildu, our Senior Research and Policy Analyst at Kids Count and the Kids Count Coordinator with New Mexico Voices for Children. Good morning, Emily. Thanks for being part of the discussion this morning. 
Good morning. Thank you for having me. And, you know, we've had a lot of conversation and a lot of callers. Everyone's really interested in this topic. But I think a lot of what our guests are talking about so far this morning is the academic side of structured literacy, but also the social, emotional and everything that's outside of academics. So we're going to talk about the Kids Count data book that came out just a couple of weeks ago and that ranked our state standing on various issues pretty much at the lower part of the ranking, either 49th or 50th. Can you talk a little bit on how New Mexico ranked in education? Sure. And just a quick clarification, the data book that was just released is our New Mexico state data book, which does not do the rankings. It just includes more data to explain at a deeper level what is going on on the ground in New Mexico. So the national data book, which came out in the summer, is where the rankings are. Um, and that is based on national indicators that can be compared across the states. Um, so that is what shows us, based on national test scores, that New Mexico is ranked 50th in, in education. Um, so in those national test scores, you know, you see that New Mexico has 79% of kids who are not proficient in reading in 2022. Um, you know, something I do want to step back and give a 20,000 foot view of is that this is a national problem. New Mexico is doing worse than the rest of the nation. But the U.S. still has 68% of kids who are not reading at proficient levels. So, you know, and another thing to mention, we've talked a little bit about COVID. That wiped out any gains that had been made over the last 20 years. So, you know, there's there's a lot going on in kids' lives that is a piece of this as well. And Robert, I actually want to go to you real quick. When we're talking about COVID, I'm sure it was a hard time teaching and you're seeing kids eat during the pandemic and into your classroom now. So what are the lasting effects that you're seeing? Well, let me just tell you, when I got back uh, from COVID, it was, what was two years ago? Uh, we were back to school. Uh, they didn't speak. <laughs> Nobody spoke. Uh, uh, they didn't really know how to uh, interact with one another again. And uh, they were sleeping. Um, it was pretty bad. And um uh, I, I didn't want, I was, uh, I, a funny story, uh, I had my uh, first period uh, class, um, they were so quiet and didn't speak to me, I didn't want to turn my back on them. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, one day, they just started laughing and they were like uh, kids again. And they were, I was like, uh, what's the matter with you guys? And uh, why didn't you speak to me? And they said, uh, uh, we're just so angry we're back at school. So it was a big adjustment for them to come back and to uh, kind of, uh, follow the norms of, of education again. And Emily, I want to go back to you and talk about New Mexico's being ranked 49th in economic well-being. I'm, you mentioned COVID, but we've also struggled in New Mexico with systemic poverty. So how is education and poverty linked? Yes, it's a great question. And, and you know, again, this is another place where New Mexico kind of gets <laughs> less credit than we should. You know, our poverty rate has been declining slowly. It hasn't done what we would hope. We love we'd love to see that drop quickly. Um, but that's not really the way that poverty works. And it's exactly because of these things being so intertwined. And if you have had for generations an education system that's been um, underinvested in, an education system that has been about assimilating kids from different cultures instead of um, supporting their cultural linguistic strengths that they bring to the classroom. All of these things impact their ability to get the skills and education they need to go out into the workforce, to go out and get more education. 
um, to be well as a whole person um, with these kind of social emotional skills, you know, all of these elements um, haven't been supported historically in our schools and especially in New Mexico with a population of students that look different than a state like Mississippi. You know, I think we've talked a lot about we have kids with different language skills coming into our classroom. They're they are not all English language students. About 20 percent of them are English language learners. And I think that that is um, another big piece of it, that we just need to see that as a strength in our kids while we're applying these other tools like structured literacy and providing um, the programs that we know help kids to read. And, and I think if you start to really do that and to support the kids and see them for who they are as whole people while applying science to reading instruction, um, you'll start to see a big shift happen that over time will have bigger impacts on poverty. And, and again, it isn't a silver bullet, but it is all very interconnected and important to hold up all of these different pieces while we try to move forward. And we actually have a caller on the line, Nancy from Albuquerque. Good morning, Nancy. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Well, I uh, agree with uh, Barbara and Emily. I hope Barbara is able to come back to your call because her voice is very important given that she was an APS a school board member, but I'd like to um, state that this is predominantly a corporate model, um, and I've been in uh, teacher education for my whole life um, at UNM, and now I'm a volunteer in a bilingual um, elementary school, and um, phonics is a very small part of learning a language. Most of learning a language is based on meaning-making. And yes, you can phonetically um, figure out words if you, you know, C-A-T, C-A-T doesn't sound like cat. It's, you have to uh, learn through meaning making as well. And what we've, we've done is we're, we've got this corporate, uh, the kids are on computers every day doing the corporate uh, phonetic program that's been bought by the Albuquerque Public Schools. But what they're not doing is multicultural literature, literature, and like Emily said, multicultural literature contributes to a child's understanding of themselves and other people in the world. And as well, there's uh, very few, in these schools, there's very little science education taught now because the emphasis is so exclusively on, on this phonetic approach to reading. There's very little writing going on in the schools. That's why children are not able to express themselves and can express themselves through writing. And the other thing is social studies and science. I think I may have just mentioned that. And Nancy, I'm going to pause you there. I want to say thank you so much for your important comments. We don't have that much time um, this morning. So I want to get to my last guest this morning, um, Sarah, Deputy Secretary Sarah Michelson from the Early Childhood and Education Care Department. Thanks for joining us today, Sarah. Thank you for having me, and I think we've just heard from caller Nancy that kids are not being exposed to maybe their culture at an early age, but that's part of the work that you all are doing with early childhood literacy is exposing kids to literature early on and getting them familiar with that. Is that correct? Yeah, sure. I think, um, you know, I was really struck by what Nancy said, because all of those things like writing and reading, that's literacy together. Writing is a key part of literacy and a key part of this training that we're 
talking about as is meaning making that I would relate that to really vocabulary and getting to know concepts. It's hard to read if you can't understand the word that you're reading on the page. And that starts actually in utero um, or in the early childhood education and care department. We focus on the prenatal to five period. Babies are learning when they're in their mom's stomach and they're hearing that language out loud. That, that learning continues after they're born and those conversational turns that are happening, those back and forth where sometimes I know parents feel a little silly talking to their baby, but that kind of reaction they're getting from their baby is, is talking back. And that's what sets the foundation for literacy is being able to, um, as a few guests have said, really decode the language starts with understanding the language. Becoming a good decoder is becoming a good conversationalist when you're little and into pre-K. Really understanding that the English language or the language you're learning has parts and that words like cat, as Nancy mentioned, does have parts. And when you're in pre-K, that's part of what you're doing. You're clapping out cat or your name or you're really learning to uh, adjust those words in your head which then means when you're going to read those words on the paper later in life that you're able to put put those pieces together so and to your question taylor about exposing to culture i think that happens across the educational spectrum but yeah the materials um, that children use in the classroom the teachers that teach them and the culture and language that they bring to the classroom those are all really important things that we focus on in early childhood but i know that our colleagues focus on in k-12 as well and i want to dig deeper into your point of prenatal to about five years old i don't think many people recognize the importance of that time frame and i want to ask how can families in preschools help build those literacy skills early on since i'm sure many people may not be aware of the importance of that yeah, so we um, do recognize the importance of New Mexico. I think we do a great job um, with supporting families and supporting teachers. We were really where, as Deputy Secretary DeBell said, uh, the structured literacy approach started. So all New Mexico pre-K teachers are supported through that letters training. They get coaching as a former teacher myself. You know, we know that learning and a great skill isn't enough. Having someone really help you implement that skill in the classroom is really important and figure out how to knit that piece together with the science and the social studies and the math instruction and how that all fits together. Um, and so what that looks like in pre-K for either an educator or a parent, because we're all educating our children is is exposing children to books and language, getting them to appreciate print and know that reading is a great thing by doing things like read alouds or reading every night to your kid. It is by talking to your kid. I mean, many of us, we know from research, you need to put the, the phone down or turn the TV off and just have a conversation. That does wonders for helping children become good decoders and understanding the um, English language. and and or any language you're learning, um, my mistake there in, in saying English, um, but that, you know, those those skills, talking to your kid, reading to your kid, playing with words, helping them understand that words have components. Those are all really important parts that children learn in that prenatal to five period that help them enter that kindergarten classroom ready to become readers. And, you know, we've been talking about this morning that the conversation around structured literacy has really come out of the governor's proposals for implementing this kind of structured literacy with the funding for this legislative session. But the governor has also prioritized early childhood education. We have almost universal pre-K. That's really rare considering the country. But how does structured literacy 
come into play in early childhood education and what does that actually look like so people know what to do either at home with their kid or in pre-k what's happening there yeah taylor you're you're right because of the governor really prioritizing early childhood and the legislature coming along as well we are one of the very few states that serve three and four year olds in in free uh, public education. We serve over 70% of four-year-olds across the state in pre-K. And so that's why we know it's really important to make sure our pre-K educators feel very knowledgeable and supported in implementing structured uh, literacy and the science of reading in their classrooms and supporting families to um, do that, do the support for language acquisition at home as well. So, um, we do letters early childhood training with every New Mexico pre-K teacher. Um, and like I said, you know, they don't just get that training, they get a knowledgeable coach that comes into their classroom and helps them implement those structured literacy practices. And since we've been doing that uh, it, since 2017, now each year you see those structured literacy practices within the classroom improving. Um, you see uh, more instances of those happening within the classroom. And as a result, which is what we're really focused on, we see that children are entering kindergarten more developmentally on track to read with those literacy skills, which of course means those fourth grade outcomes are going to get better as we're able to serve more children in pre-K as well as make sure their teachers have the supports they need uh, to set them on the right path for literacy. It's hard to catch up as we've heard, you know, from Robert uh, as well as he's at the other end of the spectrum. And when children have compounded, uh, you know, being behind year after year, that's it's stressful. It's stressful for the kid, that's stressful for their family, that's stressful for their teacher. And so if we can stop some of those compounding factors up front, we're going to get much further in New Mexico for our kids and families. Robert, you're in the studio nodding. So I'm going to follow up with you. Why is it so important to get kids with special needs help early on when it comes to their academic success in their or academic career? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it was uh, at an IEP one time, uh, one of the head teachers uh, uh, explained it and said, look, uh, the student's only learning uh, like a, a quarter to a third of a, a, a year. And so when you start multiplying by 10, uh, they are become six, seven years behind and it becomes dramatic. And unfortunately, that's all the time we had today. Thanks to everyone who called. We had so many listener calls and emails today. And thank you to our guests, um, Amanda DeBell, David Herford, Sarah Michelson, Emily Wildew, and Robert Foyer. The show was made possible by the WK Kellogg Foundation and KUNM listeners like you. And let's keep the conversation going. Search for KUNM Radio or comment on Facebook. Or you can shoot us an email again at letstalk at KUNM.org. If you missed part of the show, stream it on our website or subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Our engineer this morning is Marino Spencer. Mia Casa screened your calls. Kaveh Movahed produced the show today. Next week, we'll be discussing gun reform and the current legislation going through the roundhouse. I'm Taylor Velasquez. This is Let's Talk New Mexico on 89.9 KUNM.